It's Britney, bitch. And we are back, just like Michael Scott. We took <laughs> we took a short little summer vacation. We did. In two years of doing this podcast, we have never missed this More much than time. like a we week, took a month. I we think. took a month off. Yeah, we did. We both went on vacation, and yeah. it was a well-deserved break after two years. Two hard-working years without pay. Following these celebrities around. And you know what's hilarious is, like, the minute we left, like, everything, like, was super quiet. It's because we weren't there to report on it. That's they, what I think too. They they knew like they, knew. they were they like, like, this is our moment to yep. just shut the fuck up Turn and like be yep. calm. Turn it off. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you don't know us, I'm Spencer. And I'm Lexi. And we are the hosts of the Rumor Mill, your Gen Z guide to pop culture. We like to cover every everything. 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 Everything and everything. Yeah. Obviously, our speaking skills are a little subpar wow. at this point. So wow. let's, I think it's time to bring in an expert on public speaking. We need an expert. I think, you know, we're back with a bang. We need a special guest. We can't do this alone. No. No. We and can't this just year, jump back in. This year, last couple of weeks have been crazy for celebrities in courtrooms. Absolutely. We're going to need a lawyer. We're going to need a lawyer. Let's lawyer up. We're going to need the internet's favorite legal commentator with purple hair. Oh, which is something that I just personally think is amazing. And her name is Emily D. Baker, podcaster, YouTuber, previous LA deputy district attorney, Emily D. Ooh. Baker, is here to help us break down all of this year's craziest celebrity legal drama from Johnny and Amber to Jen Shaw to R. Kelly to Britney Spears. Britney Spears, everybody. Nobody is safe. Nobody, nobody is safe. We're back in town and nobody is safe. Put down your gavels and pick up your robes because we are entering the courtroom of public opinion. Of public opinion. Right here. With Please Emily. welcome to our show, Emily D. Baker. Hello. Hello. Hey. Emily D. Baker, welcome to the show. You're the internet's favorite legal commentator. Hello, Spencer. And we are, our podcast is called The Rumor Mill. So we're just like, I'm just waiting to be sued by somebody. You know, like I'm just waiting for it. Actually, <laughs> you've made it really clear that these are rumors. So thank hey, you. Truthfully, right. you've like set it right out there and you're like, this is what we're talking about. Like, I'm not telling you to take this as fact. This is no. just some stuff that people are saying about some stuff. We're going to mention it all. It's a, oh, yeah. well, we'll just get into, I'll wait. Yeah. I have so yeah. much to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, awesome. Let's, let's kick it off. Tell us a little bit about your background in law. Absolutely. I'm Emily D. Baker. I have been a lawyer for almost 17 years now. And every time I have to bump that number up by one, it makes me feel super old. But I was a deputy district attorney for over 10 years in the county of Los Angeles. So I was a criminal prosecutor in court every day, trying cases for every, everything you can imagine. And then I moved into entrepreneurship when I left the DA's office and then moved into full-time content creation with a little bit of consulting still because sometimes the legal brain is still needed for things. But that is a, a brief brief break breakdown of the things I've done in the legal space over the last 17 years. What an That's intro. That's so awesome, right? What well, that was so what like, intro. you can tell that you're a public speaker because you just rattled it off so perfectly. Oh, and well, thank like, you. I mean, <laughs> here we are, this is our podcast. And you're like, I've been a lawyer for 17 years. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I get, well, I've always enjoyed talking. Law, depending on where you go in law, it can be a very talk-based profession or a very writing-based profession. I always picked the path that led towards me getting to talk. And I feel like now I'm just living my best life because I get to do that with y'all instead of in court. Um, you have way more personality than most of the judges that I ever appeared in front of. So this is a lot more fun. Well, thanks. We are also big talkers. We, yes. We, I, you know, we, we've talked about like, there's nobody funnier to us than ourselves. And yeah, like, we I love, love to hear each other talk. And you know, what's so funny is I just graduated from the university. I'm actually wearing my classroom right now. Um, in criminal Fantastic. justice. I'm heading to law school next year. Love it. So I, I need to know how hard is the bar? How hard, hard is it? I mean, it depends on which state you're taking it in. The California bar is hard. It's a, it's a hard exam. They've been trying to make it a bit easier. I mean, they, they lowered the pass rate so that, you know, those that were taking the bar during the pandemic could, could do that, but it's yeah. not an easy bar exam. However, there's so many resources out there to help you get ready. Don't get in your head about it. Um, law school is hard. It teaches you to take tests and just, there is a path, just figure out the way you take tests best, study for that and, and follow the process. Don't do anything weird. The bar graders want to see that process. Just do what they say. Don't try to be creative with it at all. Just follow the formula and you'll be fine. Good to know. That's that. good. Good Thank advice. You. Well, thanks you yeah. for coming on today. I'm super excited to talk to you. I can't wait to get all of your insight and everything. And 
right before we started, I actually told Lexi that she was giving Jailhouse Rock today. I um, love what she's giving today. I think all you. of it's fair. I was saying like badass femme fatale, but okay. <laughs> I love that you. you've gone with Jailhouse Rock. You've got yeah. a different direction. I was going to mention, um, I was good like prison uniform spring summer 2022 yeah I'm just this is the next collection yeah I think, exactly I'm, I'm leading I like but, it yeah. I mean yeah. I think there's going to be plenty of housewives signing up for that so oh, and we'll be oh getting yeah into that. we'll be getting into we'll that, getting into that. <laughs> on that note it's been 2022 has been a crazy year for celebrity law news and just yes. celebrities in court yeah why do you think so many celebs have found themselves in hot water this year is there like something in the air the yeah. whole moon like what's going on <laughs> It must have been. There must have been an eclipse somewhere that threw everything asunder. No, I think why we're seeing a lot of things come to a culmination in court is because since 2020, courts have been shut down and backed up. So we're seeing all of these things starting to resolve in 2022. Jen Shaw was supposed to go to trial months and months and months and months and months ago. There were COVID delays. The Johnny Depp Amber Heard case was supposed to go to trial over a year ago. There were COVID delays. So I think we've seen the backlog of things kind of coming to a head, but there's always been a lot of celebrity court news, people getting arrested, going into court. I don't think it's been as accessible because courts weren't as accessible pre-pandemic. A lot of courts weren't streaming. A lot of courts didn't have call-in. They weren't hosting, you know, bail hearings via Zoom. And that all changed in twenty late 2020, early 2021, so it's more accessible to the public. So there can be more interest. It's way more interesting if you can see it yourself than it is just reading a report, oh, these people said this in court today. Because the reporting on something like Johnny Depp and Amber Heard is going to miss all the stuff that we want to talk about. Is the reporting going to be on you know, Morgan Tremaine clapping back at Elaine about 15 minutes of fame? Or is it just going to be, oh, these witnesses came in and said this? Yeah. So us getting to see it ourselves is a huge factor in, I think, how much it's in the forefront of our minds. And, you know, personally, if I was a celebrity and I was doing some shady, you know, white collar crime or something, wouldn't you want to like fly under the radar as much as you could versus yes. like join a reality show, like make yourself a target. I mean, like, you know, you know what I mean? I would want to be like, don't look at me. I'm a nobody. Like, leave me alone. But it's that so assumes many. that you know that what you're doing is wrong and that you don't think you're smarter than everyone and not going to get caught. When it comes to white collar crime, there is a lot of um, arrogance in, I'm never going to get caught. They don't know what they're doing. And I'm the smartest person in the room, which is where you end up with personalities on reality TV, getting popped for fraud related crimes. Yeah. A lot of narcissism. That makes sense. It does make sense. I think we're all guilty of that though. Like watching a true crime show and being like, this is how I would have like done it. Like they should have never done that. Like why? Absolutely. Like, you know, it's, it's narcissism. So we're watching movies too. I mean, you're like, why are you running that way? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sort this yeah. I could have done this better. Um, but yeah. And I mean, all of us like to be on the internet. We, we definitely, I understand the being on the internet. I understand having a podcast, a YouTube channel, active social media. I still don't understand reality shows because I don't want to give up the control like at all. Exactly. No way. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, the scariest part, I think, is that you're now somebody else's puppet instead mm, of being able to be your own puppeteer, I think, for yeah, what your content so. is. Yeah. But and, and it's like we've seen it like over the years. So many celebrities getting in so much trouble. Like we have Khloe Kardashian with, you know, the history of DUIs or like Justin Bieber, like with the street racing, Lindsay Lohan with the drugs. And I, I just want to ask you, do you think being a public figure or a celebrity will that turn into leniency in the eyes of the law because of who they are? Or do you think that the system is more likely to make an example out of celebrities who get in trouble with the law? What, what, what's your take? I think it's almost a 50, 50, mm. depending on who the celebrity is. When Lindsay Lohan stuff was going down at airport courthouse, I was working at airport courthouse at the time and working with the main DA on the Lohan cases on some of those cases. And I think looking at her and looking at the other cases coming through that courthouse, she got more time, I think, than some otherwise would have given her her background, given and also given her public status. It's almost mm. like, well, what did you think was going to happen? And you have, there's no, re, there's no excuse for this constant flaunting of the law. So I think there are times when people can end up with harsher treatment because they are public figures. Martha Stewart also comes to mind. But then there are times when, especially when it's drug use and nonviolent crimes, you see those things just DUIs, just kind of going under the radar. I had more than a few defense attorneys come up to me and be like, well, you know, if my client has this DUI on their record, they're this professional athlete for this and that, and they're not going to be able to travel out of the country. I'm like, why is and? this my fault? <laughs> yeah. Like, 
they have obviously the money to not drink and drive. This is this get a car. Like what, what are you thinking? So there, there were times I didn't always have a lot of, I'm like, I don't understand. It's not like you had a beer after work and then got pulled over. That's not how these things go. So I, it, it really just depends on who the celebrity is, what the case is, what the judges, what the courthouse is, if it happens in Los Angeles or if it happens elsewhere in the country. Yeah. And, and you know, we were, we were talking about different individuals too. I, I just came, what came to mind was um, Teresa and Joe Judice. Mm -hmm. um, like, look at, look at the harsh, the, the, the hand that they were dealt, you know, Teresa spent a year in jail for signing her name on a document where we all sort of know that it was more Joe who obviously spent four years in jail and was deported, who was kind of the mastermind, but they made an example out of her, you know, because she was a reality star. Whereas like with Khloe Kardashian and the DUI, she spent three hours in jail out of a 30 day prison sentence because of overcrowding. Well, so, that's consistent for Los Angeles. To be yeah, fair, that's totally yeah. consistent for Los Angeles. Yeah. Paris Hilton yeah. had the same thing. That's so LA. But yeah. with the Judices, the thing is, when you sign your name to something, if it's a fraudulent document, that's all the government needs to prove. And some of those fraud cases can carry 20 to 30 plus years in federal prison. Look, do not mess with the government's money, particularly. <laughs> Victim money is different, but government money, they will come for you. The only reason the Judices even got investigated is because of the show. And oh, yeah. that is wild. And you would think that that would be a warning to everyone on reality TV, that if you have any skeletons in the closet or even anything that's questionable, there's gonna be someone somewhere going, ooh, that's interesting and take a little bit of a closer peek. You would think that might've been a warning shot to Jen Shaw. I think I, instead she saw it as a how-to guide. And we all well, remember- yeah, We have know, to, that was the next question exactly. we have to get into. We the, remember that bus ride and we're looking for Jen Shaw and it was like- Oh my God. It, yeah. It's, and I hate to be like, oh my God, this is iconic, but also <laughs> it's iconic. It, it is. just, it is, but that feeds into the bad behavior of, okay, well, at least if I'm going down, I'm going to go down in a blaze of glory. But the Sprinter well, think of like van- this being on TV. Like this was captured by T like when has anything like this in this day and age ever aired on TV? It's I mean, it gives, it gives OJ Simpson slow speed chase vibes is what it gives <laughs> because we knew that it was coming because we know from social media that production's rolling the day she's getting arrested. So there's this anticipation building up. And then Bravo, of course, is like, oh, we're going to tease this out episode yeah. over episode. We're going to start with the first two minutes and work our way back. Of course you are, Bravo. Kudos mm -hmm. to you. Yeah. And so we knew it was coming and there was this building anticipation for a new franchise that you're not going to get otherwise because people aren't tuning in to see if Whitney Rose is going to wear a whipped cream bikini with her husband, that's not why people are tuning in to Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Sorry, Whitney Rose. It's just, it's not. <laughs> it's fair. I mean, we, I love Whitney, but it's just, we're here yes. for, we're here for the Gen Shaw The content, legal drama. Yeah. The legal content. So she has, Breaking our news. show SLC, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City's Jen Shaw has switched her plea to guilty in the wire fraud case against her. What is your reaction? This is like new, it, days ago. New, I'm, I'm still shocked. I'm, I'm still shocked. I'm yeah, so shocked I didn't that she expect her, yeah. honestly, to ever switch her. Well, she spent a year claiming everywhere that she's innocent and they were coming after her and she's going to have her day in court. And all of a sudden we get the, the court reporter, like there she is saying, oh, I was guilty of wire fraud, misrepresentation of services. I knew what I was doing was wrong. So what, what do you make of the 180? I... Here's the thing. I can't imagine her wardrobe for trial wasn't already planned because of how close to trial we were. Like, yeah. not only is she abandoning the right to a trial, but she's abandoning whatever attention she would have gotten from the trial and it would have built. I think, truthfully, shit got real. She had not been in a federal courtroom up until the week before her plea for that final pretrial conference um, with the judge and the prosecutor. She had not sat in those seats deeply uncomfortable. She had not looked at the judge on the bench up above her. She had not been in that courtroom until then because everything was being done via Zoom. So I think it got very real for her. I think the government probably had a conversation with her. They, and said, this is what we have against you. She knows Stuart Smith is testifying against her. She knows this is a case. I mean, she had to have known that the likelihood of her conviction was very, very, very high. It would have been shocking if she had been acquitted. That's of course the outcome she's going for. And then you look at how much money you're gonna spend on the trial, how much restitution is going to be, how much any forfeiture is going to be. And is it worth 
at that point, is it worth spending the money on the trial if the end result might be the same and you have less money to pay these things off? Yeah. And I think all of that probably played into her decision and a conversation. Her husband's a lawyer. He had to say, the government is not going to lose this case. That's not what's happening, especially once a co-defendant comes in. And there are multiple co-defendants that haven't been sentenced yet that could have testified against her. Well, yeah, they, I mean, she, if she's allegedly the ringleader, then all of these you know, people that worked for her allegedly under her, her business partner, they're going to take plea deals and turn on her. Um, just like she did. And they, you know, she pled guilty to count one, which was conspiracy to commit wire fraud. They dropped count two. Um, and instead of now facing 30 years in jail, she faces 14. Well, um, she faces 30. Still? Instead of facing 60 years in jail, she faces 30. Oh, I thought it went from 30 to 14. No. So here's, this is the thing with federal sentencing is federal sentencing and plea deals are kind of wonky. The government and Jen Shaw agreed that the appropriate guideline range was between a little over 11 and 14. Yeah. The judge is not bound by that range. The judge could go up to 30. The judge could go down to probation. It's just a recommendation. So it's not capped. She's facing 30 years. She's not going to get 30 years on this no. case. It's a white collar crime. It's a first offense. The highest any of the defendants in this case have gotten were seven. Um, so doubling the seven to 14 isn't outside of the scope of possibility for her, but she does still have 30 hanging over her, it's very unlikely. The wow. guideline range is generally where people are sentenced or in federal cases, a little bit below. It would be very extraordinary to go above the guideline range. And if they did, it would be appealed as being excessive. So I think we'll see it within the guideline or a little below, but she does technically still face 30 and that's the lawyer and me being like, well, actually, well, I, I know am <laughs> on I a wrong? technicality. Am I wrong in reading that, um, that parole had been abolished? right now? Yes. Their federal okay. parole is, is not what one would think of parole. You get, yeah. you get your time, but there is still good time, work time. That calculation depends on a lot of factors, but you do your time, you get out and then there's supervised release. It's not technically parole. I, shaw shocked. Like I, it's like, shocking. Imagine like going to shocking. jail, you I know, like I, I look, I was like, how old was she? And I Googled, she's almost 50 years old. She's so going say, to federal prison. Exactly. Say she gets 10 years, you know, yeah. her, her co-defendants are getting seven. Maybe she's the ringleader. So she gets eight to 10 more. Yeah. Yeah. She won't get out until she's like 60. So you're losing a huge chunk of your life with your kids and being on the show and making that money. And then on top of it, $15 million, what was it like 9 million plus six in, in restitution or it's something? It's a lot of money. And you know, no acrylic nails, <laughs> no extensions, no filler, no Botox. Like the Gen Shaw that goes into federal custody is not going to be the Gen Shaw we see come out of federal custody. I think everyone might understand a little more if Teresa Judice keeps opening up about what her time was like. She was not in there nearly as long as Gen Shaw will be. Mm -hmm. And it changed her too. Um, and I think we will see that. And the thing, the reality with federal prison is it's still not great. White collar, you know, white collar crimes tend to be in the lower security prisons. You're still in prison though. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's still not, it's not a great situation. Her, she might not be in as much danger um, as other defendants in other types of custody situations, but it's not great. And you're missing your kids growing up. She still has a kid in high school. Yeah. Um, I have a kid in high school. That's you're missing really big critical life moments before they become an adult. And I'm sure that that's one of the things that weighs the most heavy on her. Yeah. Well, yeah. sentencing is uh, scheduled for November 28th. Um, I, it's interesting to see the difference between like reality stars when they're, when they're charged or alleged of, of doing some sort of, of criminal activity, you know, Whereas we have like Tom and Erica Girardi, you know, everyone's come down on them so hard and, and we'll talk about them in a second. Whereas you have Jen and it's almost like it, the people are going hard on her, but I almost see a lot of support for her. And it's interesting because she's actually being charged. Whereas somebody like Erica Jane may be an accessory, um, you know, with Jen, do you see any opportunity for leniency or do you think that they will make an example out of her just like Teresa Judice? The amount of restitution leads me to believe there's a lot more there that's going to come out during sentencing. This is almost three times higher than any of her co-defendants are paying in restitution. 
and the asset forfeiture of over $6 million is quite high. That means this fraud scheme was in the tens to tens to tens of millions, if not more. So the amount of money lost by victims is going to be something the court considers, and she's alleged to be the ringleader. So do I think there will be leniency under 30? Yes. Do I think it will get her down into that seven-year range? Probably not. And even seven years out of your life is going to feel like a lot. But it has been interesting to watch the kind of the fans and the Bravo fans react to Erica Girardi's, um, her actions on social media, given context of what her husband's done versus Jen Shaw's actions on social media and on the show, given context of what she has done and seeing that Coach Shaw has done a very good job of staying out of the crossfire. Coach Shaw has, Coach Shaw's a lawyer. Coach yeah. Shaw is not, is not like, you know, oh, I had no idea what was going on. There's no way you had no idea. She was deposed by the FTC. You knew something. And he is such a lovable guy on the show that everybody's like, but it's Coach Shaw, where Erica has been skewered across social media, um, A, for her own behavior after she found out, but B, for her husband's behavior. And it's interesting to see the different treatment between Coach Shaw and Erica and to see the way the two behave differently. Yeah. Very differently. Exactly. I, I was thinking the exact same thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, the home front has been kind of quiet on the whole Erica Jane and Tom Girardi thing. They haven't really talked. There's lawsuits brewing, but I know that Tom is in is in like that senior home, and they're trying to play the whole card oh, he's of mental. Yeah, and he's not. He's like, in a in conservatorship. Well, yeah, he's, in a, he's legally incompetent. He is yeah. actually in a conservatorship, so it's kind of wild. There's not much we're going to hear from him ever in yeah. this. I don't think yeah. so either. And, and we've, I mean, for a year, we've been hearing about orphans and widows and plane crash victims and Erica allegedly, you know, having gifts that were purchased, you know, by Tom with the embezzled, allegedly embezzled money and him taking funds from clients. You know, at this point, um, do you see any sort of jail time for either of them? Or like, what do you see happening in the future, you know, with both of them? I think Tom is going to be able to ride out the rest of his life I don't know if his family members are paying for his care. They might very well be. And he will ride out his life kind of under the radar. Erica's younger and she doesn't have that option. She has to now pick up the pieces of her life, um, just like the victims of Tom Girardi do. She has to pick up the pieces, keep making money and move on. There are no criminal prosecutions that are actively happening. The judge in Illinois referred it for criminal prosecution it would be much harder to go after Erica and not go after Tom. Mm. It would be difficult to go after Tom at this point because of the conservatorship and the incapacity. But if anything, like it's really going to hit the fan when the IRS gets more involved for Erica. And we've already seen the Franchise Tax Board, which is California's tax agency, start coming after her for over $2 million. If the If California thinks you owe $2 million in taxes, there's the IRS is going to think you owe more. So... I think that tax is going to leave her with a crater of debt. I think the personal bankruptcy is going to leave her with a crater of debt. And even if she doesn't end up physically in prison, this debt is going to be something that is um, weighing her down for the rest of her life, unless she finds someone to pay off those amounts for her. But this, the weight of everything she's facing is pretty substantial. And she, I don't think has dealt with it well. Now I'm, you know, who can, who can judge what she's doing? I'm not in her shoes, but she, we've definitely seen some wilding out on social media that has made people much less empathetic to her. And that's, I don't think helping her, but isn't she driving the show? What do you guys think? Like she's driving Beverly Hills, right? I mean, yeah. she's, I, 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 I've always loved Erica. And so that's where, like, when I found out about all this, I was like, like, I was like, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, how has this happened? That like, it's always my favorites are always the ones that are the snakes, but um, I'm like, how did this, how did this go wrong so fast? But I don't know. I feel like she really does kind of carry the show and like now, cause I, I, I stopped watching for a little bit. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, what's going on. And then I heard about the whole Erica Jane thing. And then I was like, well, I have to tune back in now. Like I got to start watching it again. So I do think that she helps carry the show in that aspect. And she's always been, you know, the ice queen where she's just very like stoic and all of that. And her, she's got her bitch mode on and she just can, you know, tell you what's really going on in her head. So I think she does carry the show in that regard, but I don't, I don't know how Beverly Hills 
you would probably be a better read of well, what it, the show would be like without her. I, you're usually good at predicting. I that find stuff. it It'd interesting. What? It'd be boring. It'd be boring. Probably. Enough. I find. Well, I, I come was on. Say, I I find it interesting that social media is always like, why does Bravo and all these TV networks? Why do they employ criminals? And it's like because it's interesting. Like, cause well, I, I don't wanna... think Bravo knows going in, but I don't think yeah, they're no, mad no. when it happens at all. Well, and why at this point would you fire any of these people, knowing of what they're going through, if they consent to be filmed? Number one, that's I wouldn't want to be filmed if I was going through something like this. But if they're stupid enough to sign the contract to get it filmed and have it be on TV so we can watch it. Why not? I say, That's why not? Content. I don't oh. think Erica has a choice to yeah, not no, film at this money. point yeah. because she's going to absolutely need that income yeah. and she needs people to stay interested in her story. And I think it's a little easier for her because again, like Teresa Judice, you're looking at this going, this is what your husband did and we're watching the wreckage through you, yeah. which is different from Jen Shaw, who's really the first housewife we've seen on a crime of this scale alleged to have done it. I mean, of course, we saw Luann threaten police in Miami and get into that. We've seen people get into like DUIs and those kinds of things. But this is the largest criminal case that we've seen from a housewife where the housewife is essentially the hustler in this case. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think it's so interesting that like, like you were talking about the, the blame shifting between, you know, Jen and coach and then like Erica and Tom. And, and I agree. I don't think she's going to be able to get out of this for the rest of her life. I think it's always going to follow her. I think at this point, there's no way in hell she's leaving TV because she needs the money. You know, where else yeah. is she getting paid? She needs the money. Uh, she was dropped by Rihanna's um, company. She's no longer, I don't know, I forget what it's called. Fenty. She yeah. was a Fenty, yeah. the, the lingerie ambassador. And yeah. I can get it because Erica was getting so much flack for posting what were probably contractual obligations. Because as this is all breaking and you're hearing that your spouse has taken hundreds of millions of dollars from victims of catastrophic tort injuries and you're splayed out in in lingerie ev it just left a bad taste in everyone's mouth and she's like i still have to work it's like yeah you do but unfortunately um the internet's not going to be kind with the kind of work that you're doing and she has not exactly been empathetic about the fact that tom's alleged to have stolen hundreds of millions of dollars from clients and it's not all alleged some of the client theft has been proven so when erica's on the show saying oh well i don't know if they're all telling the truth the rigoma's family's telling the truth they have a judgment that proves it and they have a lien on your house don't say they're not telling the truth that's just gross at this point it makes me a little frustrated i agree <laughs> yeah. and, you and know. It, i think she really could have turned it around for herself if she had been like you know maybe i don't know what the truth is but my heart goes out to those who we're affecting. I want the truth to come out, but then she's betraying Tom. And then it's like, he's leaving her with a crater of debt. I think she yeah. probably thought that she would ride out this marriage. I'm going to hold this man's hand till the day he dies. She's you like, know. I'm going to have that money for the rest of my life. Like yep. when he's gone, I'm set when he's gone, you're screwed at this point. There's yeah. she's not set for anything. Yeah. And this, her entire life has blown up too. I, I try to have at least a little bit of understanding but then her behavior on social media is so aggressive that it is hard to understand because she's never come out and said, Tom's a very convincing liar and I was lied to too. And I'm horrified about all of this. She's never said that. She's gonna try to say, oh, well, his victims, who are his clients are lying and that just doesn't fly with me. And no. I think it would be no. smart to not make yourself a villain too, but put yourself in the category of victim. It's a hard thing because if Tom did lie to her and tell her to stay out of it, which she has said and alluded to, there's a lot she could have done down that road and she didn't. I understand legally why she's fighting things because she doesn't know when the other shoe's going to drop. So her attorney needs to try to keep all of her assets with her because when the state of California comes knocking, when the IRS comes knocking and when this individual bankruptcy that can't be discharged is done, she's still going to be there with that crater of debt. So I understand trying to protect your assets, but you can't then be a dick on the internet while that's happening. It's not a good look. Well, we got to move on to the trial of the year, maybe even the trial of the century, perhaps. It's our generation's OJ Simpson trial. 
Johnny Depp versus Amber Heard. Amber is appealing and calling for a mistrial over jury number 15. What is your take? Yes, we do have an update. Judge A just denied all of the post-trial motions, including all of this nonsense over juror 15, and went on for two pages about how literally unfounded the motion was because juror 15 was subpoenaed, not subpoenaed, summoned for jury duty, to their home at their proper address by their proper name, and there was no date of birth on the subpoena. So the whole issue over whether a juror was a senior or a junior or the older one or the younger one is nonsense. And the judge went in on it being nonsense. And at the end said, this order is final in all caps and bold. It was just, I am wow. done Shut down. with you. Well, yes. and it was, I love it that. was the, the, the jury duty um, thing, the summons was, it was, it, there was a dad and a son, I think, that both had the same name. And so they've not been clear about that. So the oh. motion from Amber Heard's team indicated they had the same last name okay. and the same household. But we all kind of assumed it was probably a father, son, junior, senior living in the same household. But Amber Heard's team said that it had this 1945 birth date on it. There was mm. no birth date on the subpoena. So it's not really an issue. And the juror questionnaire had the proper date of birth on it, the 1970 date of birth. So this was a non-issue that a lot was made about nothing. And that borders on really inappropriate. There has to be a basis for this. The law in Virginia clearly says that this is the responsibility of the attorneys to check it. And you're not telling me that Team Heard is suing for $100 million and not paying a jury consultant to vet these jurors. They had the list a week in advance to investigate people, something that doesn't happen the same way in criminal, but does happen in civil. There's no way they didn't have a jury consultant looking into these jurors. They knew, they knew, they knew. They're scrambling. Yeah, they're just looking they're for scrambling. any anything. They're grasping. And and I I I just recently heard that um there's a quote bidding war over an alleged uh, book deal that Amber Heard is working on. It's a tell-all book about everything that's happened and I'm thinking didn't you just get in trouble for writing about Johnny already? And now you're going to write a book about it. Like, are well, we really going to go there again? What else is yeah, there to say tell? Less. We heard it all, didn't we? There, there was a whole trial that we had for weeks. What else is there to tell? We know everything. Who's going to buy this book? I, I wouldn't. But the, the bidding wars uh, reportedly up to 15 million, which would cover the 10 million that she has in defamation damages. So if she can score it, I guess go for it. I can't um, imagine anyone paying 15 million no. there. Any, anyone that takes on this book is also at risk of being sued, especially yeah. now that they know that she, the things that she has said are defamatory and the jury found them to be not true. Unless they're taking on a book deal for what it was like to go through the trial, what it was like, what, no. what's her life after this trial, unless that's the book. But then again, is there broad enough interest to pay 15 million for that book? I think any publisher would have to be very, very careful with that. But the reality is Amber Heard's going to have to find a way to make money, just like Erica Girardi. The, you know, the public is out here being like, I don't want to see you working with any companies, but they're still going to have to find ways to support themselves and pay off large amounts of debt. And for Amber Heard, it's over, you know, $10.3 Well, she just needs to take a page out of Army Hammer's book and start working for a travel company in some, where, where is he now? The Caymans. Apparently yeah. he's in the Caymans. I'm like, where, she just needs to start doing that. Like, this is what. Is that for real? Is he really selling timeshares? <laughs> Somebody has like photos. Like, I saw it. In there. Yeah. I saw the photos. I've seen the, I've seen the, the rumors. I don't know if it's true or not, but it sure looks like Army Hammer. What a, what a weird flip-flop. Like. <laughs> Like, I know I'm going to move to the Cayman Islands and sell timeshares and like, I'll escape everything. But you know, if it works, it works. It works I mean, works. he's got to get away from the internet. He just needs, he needs to unplug for a little bit and just like have <laughs> some time. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. Um, do you believe that Johnny won the trial because he won the court of a public opinion? Or do you think he really won because the evidence cleared his name? Because that was like a big thing. And Amber Social media like, influence. Oh, like it was just, you know, like Amber's team, like Elaine had an interview, I think after the fact, somebody interviewed and she was like, well, the court of public opinion really had a big role to play in yeah. this trial. Do you think that's the case or is that all just hogwash? The court of public opinion had a huge role to play with the court of public opinion. The thing is, the reason the jury verdict and the court of public opinion are aligned is because we were all watching the same thing. Exactly. Jurors watched what the court of public opinion watched. The jury can't be sassy about it on TikTok, but the court of public opinion can. I think 
that they're aligned because everyone watched the same thing. There's no evidence that the jurors were on social media, but what would they be influenced by Kim Kardashian being like, Oh, that's cringe in a gif. I mean, that they watched the testimony. It's not like they're seeing stuff. If they're watching clips of trials, memeing Johnny Depp being like a mega pint, they watched it happen live. So I don't, there's no evidence that the court of public opinion factored in on the jury. I think it's disingenuous and disappointing that Elaine keeps arguing it. And Elaine chose as the lead counsel to bring in their expert to testify. And their expert brought in hashtag justice for Johnny Depp, hashtag Amber Heard is an abuser, hashtag Amber Turd. And Dennison, Depp's attorney, got up and asked about hashtag Amber Turd over and over and over. So if the court of public opinion influenced the jury at all, it's because they brought an expert in to tell the jury what the court of public opinion was saying. Exactly. It's on them. It's the exactly. it's some of the worst decision making I've ever seen. How do you how do you bring that into a trial knowing that your expert's going to say hashtag Amber Turd? How do you do that? Who makes that choice? <laughs> it's just it's just so ridiculous. Was there any moment for you that was like Amber's, that, that's the nail in Amber's coffin? You know, if you were her legal counsel, what would you have done? What did Amber's team do wrong here in this oh situation? Gosh, there was so much wrong. Um, <laughs> and, and again, here's the hard thing with a civil case for me watching it as an outside legal analyst some of these decisions might be client driven. And it's something people don't really think about unless you've practiced in civil law is that your client is making more of these decisions. And so if Amber Heard wants that hashtag expert in there, they can advise her against it all day long. But at the end of the day, she gets to make that choice, even if they're saying this is a terrible idea. So the lawyers will catch the flack for it. Some of it might be client driven. With that, Nothing makes Elaine Bredehoff mock Johnny Depp's voice when she's questioning. Nothing makes her bumble through an opening statement, holding up a Milani compact, being like, this is exactly what she had. And the company's like, don't drag us into this. We're going to go to TikTok and make it clear this thing didn't exist when you're saying that it did. And then the amount of own goal errors where they wrecked themselves were too many to count. But some of the highlights of the terribleness was the ACLU testimony, there's nothing they could do to avoid that. Those are just the facts. Those are bad facts and they did not deal with them well. Amber Heard's testimony seemed to be growing in the the story, seemed to be big fishing in front of our eyes to the point where Elaine Bredehoff seemed surprised. And to get a civil attorney surprised with the answer to your question is shocking because they would have gone over her testimony They've done depositions, they've done, you know, expert declarations, the amount of times they've gone through this story is a lot. So when Elaine's caught off guard, it's because the story has now changed on the stand. And that's something you never want to see in a civil case as an attorney. So there was, I mean, unless it's to your benefit, in this case, it absolutely wasn't. Johnny Depp's team is like, yes, go ahead, say it, say all the names, say Kate Moss, we're here for it. But I think the chemistry between Amber Heard and Elaine was palpably uncomfortable. By the end of testimony, it looked like they were fighting with each other. And it was just, it just fell apart. It just fell apart. And Amber Heard's testimony was the most damaging to her case. She did that to her case. If she hadn't countersued Johnny Depp, she wouldn't have had to testify to nearly as much, but she chose to countersue, which I think was all ego. And that was a really terrible decision. Sometimes less is more. This case was theirs to lose. The law was on Amber Heard's side coming in. She wrecked that for herself. Exactly. It's just, it's, it's just, it's wild. It is. <laughs> it's wild. And honestly, and honestly, it, it almost like brings me a level of joy because it's like, and maybe joy is the wrong word. Like satisfaction might be a better word for it because it's like, <clears throat> excuse me, when you have like, obviously abuse is always wrong and it should never, it's never okay. Whether it's a man to woman or a woman to a man or woman to woman, man to man, whatever the case is, but to have someone like Amber Heard so publicly try to bring down someone when she was the one who was 
doing the wrong thing yeah, the alleged, whole time allegedly allegedly, yeah. allegedly all of the right words buzzwords <laughs> if she, like to well, be the one the jury did they find it. Yeah. that that she was lying and the jury didn't find calling her allegations a hoax to be defamatory so yeah i wouldn't allegedly away from that at all i mean i stand in my statement then like her what she did was so despicable and so wrong and then for her to come out after the fact and say that it's setting back women's rights and all of the like it just made me so angry because it was like how dare you like how 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 dare you how dare you how, how dare you i'm filled with outrage like just to to say that it's you're because you lost this court case when you were so clearly lying and so clearly making things up and so clearly trying to prove something that didn't happen to then use a political movement and the lives of women who've actually been affected by abuse like that and say that, oh, I'm part of your team too, and that your hurt is my hurt now, it just made me so upset. It was yeah. just, how, could, I don't understand how someone could just be so dirty like that. It's almost offensive how bad their case was. Like, she, like, like you said, it was on their side. Like the law was on her side, you know, without remove the court of public opinion, you have, you know, allegedly man on female abuse, right? Which that should is be a the cut norm. and dry, it's like a cut and dry case. So almost. it's almost offensive that she lost, like offensive that she lost just because it's just so ridiculous and crazy that her, her team dropped the ball. And on top of that, not even that her team dropped the ball, that she's lying, that like, it's, it's this whole hoax. And, and I think that this if, if it wouldn't have gone in the way that it went where Johnny would have won, I think it would have been the biggest upset in pop culture since OJ. So I think that- I think almost, it would have been split though. Yeah, yeah. You would have had the court of public opinion still believing that she lied and yeah. then looking at the particularities of the law saying, okay, we still, court of public opinion could still be saying, we still think she lied and Johnny Depp isn't what she says, but we can also look at the particularities of the law and say, I understand why this wasn't defamatory. So I think that outcome might've worked for Johnny Depp as well, or they could have made it work. But I also think that what we saw was her again, destroy her own case yeah. because she couldn't help herself. Or it seems mm -hmm. to me that she couldn't help herself. She wanted to have her moment to say everything she was going to say. And she did it. And the jury was like, no, we don't believe you. And I think that's showing a jury that's paying attention to the case in front of them and not a jury that's swayed by public opinion. And she couldn't produce a single tear, but that's, a, that's, a, that's another, that's another thing. That's, <laughs> that's a another thing. Yeah. Um, did you hear that Johnny's legendary attorney, Camille Vasquez, we love her, will reportedly be, oh, excuse me, will reportedly be representing David Dobrik and the upcoming lawsuit against him. Have you with, heard about that? Uh, Jeff, Jeff Wittick. Wittick. I've covered the Jeff Wittick lawsuit. I have seen the TikToks where Ben Chu is saying, I had a great call with David Dobrik. Until I see a court filing with Brown Rudnick on it, I'm not going to kind of jump at that. But this is not, this is the type of case Brown Rudnick would take on. Um, but they also might be behind the scenes reaching out to Jeff Wittick's lawyer saying, how do we resolve this case without filing another thing at all? So this yeah. is the type of case that settles I, if Brown Rudnick is in there, then David Dobrik's going to be getting good legal counsel saying you messed up huge. Yeah. You need to fix this now. Cause I don't see any way David Dobrik wins that case. Absolutely not. And Jeff Wittick is looking, I think I read for over $10 million. You know, it, it's the, he said versus, well, he said, because well, there's video. Yeah. It's an excavator yeah. accident. You know, he's swinging him around and, and he, I think he like shattered his skull in nine places. He almost lost his eye. He's gone through surgery after surgery. And all we've seen from David is what did he do? Like one podcast episode where he was sort I'm of sorry. crying. Like, like I, I feel so happened. bad about it, but like, then it's like, but we know that he's... he's been exploiting people for content for years. So there's proof of that on the internet for years. He's not going to win. I think, like you said, it's in their best interest to settle. And if it does get to that point, I think that maybe if they use Johnny's attorneys, they will advise him of that, of like, don't let this become another Johnny Amber because give you will be the destroyed. money. Yeah. and go away. And yeah. that's the thing about having good attorneys is they should be able to tell you truthfully in a way you understand this is what you're truly looking at. And even if you get some, um, a portion of negligence to Wittick for getting up there, once they play that excavator video in front of a jury and show Jeff Wittick dangling from his foot, looking like he's dead, it's not going to go well for David Dobrik. David 
is very lucky that Jeff Wittick didn't die because he would have been charged with at least negligent uh, homicide and or in that kind of negligent manslaughter realm. So there's negligence there. He's the one driving the excavator. This is not a hard case for Jeff Wittick. They should settle it. It probably will settle. And I think that we're going to see because of creators like David Dobrik and others, we're going to see states like California and other state legislatures trying to more closely regulate the internet or internet creators the way they do with the movie industry. You couldn't do that type of a stunt on a movie set. There's no way movies have safety meetings to have candles on set. So at some point the film industry is going to start pushing back saying, look, creators like a Mr. Beast are stealing all of our views. Like, you know, people are watching that content so much more, but they don't have the overhead we have. They don't have the safety meetings. They don't have the rules. They don't have the union. And I think we're going to start seeing traditional, um, traditional media trying to push back on internet media saying, yeah, but they could just pick up a microphone and do what they want. It's like, well, yeah, we can. Yeah. Oh, yeah. sorry. Well, and we've, that's really interesting. We've started- I didn't think of that, actually. That's a really yeah. interesting point. Well, because And we've already started seeing it on TikTok with the little messages of like, this was done by a professional, like no yes. one was hurt, right? And so we're starting to see that kind of slowly creep in. And I think that's why so much of the YouTube community lawsuits and drama over the years, you know, involving people like the Ace family has been so crazy because it's it's very close to home in a way because like that could be david dobrik that could be any those could be teenagers messing around you know doing that and and somebody could get hurt whereas it's being filmed and it's for content and he's making money off of it you know i think that that that's a conversation that needs to be had um and and i think with the youtube community there's so much to get into with liability and lawsuits um you know even oh there's oh there's so my god it, it and is just, different, honestly. Like the yes. content, just it, it's a different, it's a different level of crazy. Even with I think. people like Taylor Holder, like have you have you heard any of the Taylor Holder stuff? No. Okay, so Taylor Holder's a TikToker. And- this is why I'm old. You forget how old I am. I no. am so old. Nah. My TikTok, TikTok's algorithm is scary because TikTok's like, oh. Hello, Emily Baker. You want to see music from the 90s and people cleaning and organizing their fridge. Here you go, girl. Here it is. People going, do you remember this song from the 90s? And me going, yes, I do. Well, the question is, the question is, is the algorithm correct? Is that? Yes. You've put me in a tiny little box and it is the right one. So TikTok gets it right. But Taylor Holder, TikToker, probably not the kind of content that is either cleaning your fridge or punk rock covers of Disney music. Yeah. So this is a little niche that you've missed. It, well, and what's so what's so weird about it is that nobody really knows. Nobody what knows what happened. Are. So here's what's going on. Yeah. So there's tons of allegations that are coming out. Uh, well, allegations, allegations, allegations about him. Allegations. allegations of allegations about. So wait, people Holder, are right? like, there's allegations and that's it. Nobody yeah. knows yes. what they are. Yeah. There's and just like allegedly allegations. And desists to oh. the people that are talking about and it. And oh, any of his friends that talk about it. So everybody, all of his other famous influencer friends unfollowed him because they were getting slapped in the face with cease and desist and NDAs, <gasps> right? So he went on this podcast and did an interview because Business Insider, I think it was, did an article about him that these allegations were going to come out and change his career and he's going to lose everything. And so everyone immediately went to- It's probably sexual, sexual assault. Misconduct yeah, sexual misconduct. And so he went on this podcast to do an interview to clear things up, right? Which and he's podcast though? The BFF's podcast with Dave Portnoy. Oh, yep. And and they were like, okay, well, let's talk about it. What are the allegations? Oh, well, I can't talk about it. I can't really get into it, but you can ask me any question you want. Well, Except about on? the thing that you're here to talk about? Exactly. Yeah, literally. Well, what's going on against Dave you? Dave like, Portnoy must've loved that. Oh my God. The, the, like, why off. are you wasting my time? Exactly. He got off and they were like, what the hell was that? Like, he didn't answer a single question. They were like, well, what's coming out against you? Like, why are you sending cease and desist to all these people? Well, I can't really discuss it. It's a legal matter, but just know that I'm going to come out on top and it's all like bullshit. And everyone's like, okay, but what is it? And he's like, well, and he we can't still don't know. say it because no. if he says, if yeah. he says what it is, then people can report on what he said that it is yeah. where if he's sending cease and desist, he's trying to keep it under wraps. But when you try to keep vague allegations under wraps, everybody's going to think that it's worse, the worst of the worst of the worst. Exactly. And so that's a really, that's really interesting, yeah. but it's, I'm, you know, the TikTok, like the content houses and the young TikTokers, it's such an odd thing. It's like, are you employees? Are you not? Are you living together? Do you want all these kids that don't know each other living together? It just seems like a recipe for, for disaster. disaster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really is. And 
I want to know your opinion on this. The it's kind of old news, but I can't remember her name. The girl who alleged allegedly sexually assaulted a guy at a party and there was a like a video of it of her like dragging him into like a bedroom and stuff like that and everyone and but she still like has this huge following on tiktok and she just made like a youtube video or like a tiktok about how like people are like canceling being canceled like canceling her and she was like making fun of people for canceling um, her and stuff like that oh my god what is her name what his name is um i can picture in my head it's um I, I know, I know, I, I can see his face. So it was, it was filmed. He was at a party. They've been best friends for years and she was on top of him oh, and he was unconscious. Sienna Mae Gomez. Sienna Mae Gomez. And who's the guy? Um, do, do, do. Who's the guy? Jack Wright. Jack Wright. Have you seen that you know at all? Those names yeah. Bell? So they, no. they both lawyered up and there was some sort of like out of court thing or settlement because there's a video that came out and, and, and he was at a party sitting on a couch and appeared to be unconscious. And she was on top of him doing things like they were fully clothed. But but there was some stuff going on. And so that really hasn't come out either. I saw another video, though, of him like like uh, I don't maybe it was maybe this was a different video yeah, then, and I'm know. confusing them. But there was another video. I thought it was them like a follow up video of him, like his feet, like on the ground. And somebody was like was at the top of the stairs with like a hallway or something like that. And like they were, she was like trying to like get him into like a bedroom or something like that. And he was like clearly unconscious on the floor. This is what's so crazy to me is all these people are famous and public figures, but yet they think no one's going to film this. I'll get away with it. Everyone's going to film everything. And the thing with um, sexual assault is that, you know, men, especially male victims of of female perpetrators are very, very, very reluctant Mm -hmm. to come forward because they don't want to be mocked a bit like, what are you complaining about, man? Anything's good. It's not. It's not. Unwanted contact is not okay. It doesn't matter who is doing the contact. But yeah, it's, I think it's a very difficult thing for people that are young to navigate that level of, I can get away with anything. And I, the TikTok fame seems to be this really strange rocket ship of notoriety in a way that makes people feel like they are invincible. And that's a very strange thing because your brain is just not done developing yet. And you're going to make bad choices, but the bad choices you make in your twenties, if you are famous in that way could end your career and end your ability to really make money in that way for the rest of your life. It's very, very interesting. And I don't think anyone talks to them about like, hey, we've got to be real careful. I worry that the people around them are like, hey, we can just make a lot of money, go and not really care about, oh, you've got a three-year career span anyway. So let's just go like treat them like a racehorse. Let's just, let's ride it till it's done. And then we'll find another one. And that concerns me deeply. It's why my children are not on their own social media platforms on the internet. Ooh, see, because that that's exactly how it is. You pump out as much content, as much merch and, and meetups and things as you can in their 20. And I'm thinking, what are they going to do when they're 40? Because like in, in five minutes, there's going to be the next 15 year old that is where you are. Um, and, and, you know, you know, you were talking about, you know, the feeling of being invincible, you know, other breaking news this month was R. Kelly um, that it, it news. Are you going to say he, he believes he can fly? He believes he can fly, um, but his I'm wings sorry. have been clipped. <laughs> Because uh, I, I'm, I'm, it's just such an appalling situation it it's that it's just, it's just so beyond. It's just so beyond. Anyway, keep going with the R. It, Kelly story. No, I was no, just, yeah, it's, it's, he it's, did he, believe he could fly. He did. And he did for a long time, you know, he, for but, a long but time. it's catching up with him because he got 30 years in prison for nine federal charges of racketeering and sex trafficking. I haven't really followed along with the case a whole lot. Um, do you know any like insights or like specifics into like the actual charges against him? I have not followed. I would have to pull up the indictment, but the racketeering charges were really interestingly and racketeering is a criminal organization. So normally you're going to think of like the Sopranos or breaking bad or something like that, but racketeering can be a business that's fronting illegal stuff too. And so they Mm. were alleging his music career was the racketeering business. He's using his career to to traffic in young women to, you know, marry Aaliyah when she's, you know, 15 and all this other stuff. So it's really horrific charges, but he's not done yet. He's facing trials in several other jurisdictions and can get more time. I don't think he's ever going to see um, the outside again. I think he's 
he's going he's to be in prison for the rest of his life. He doesn't deserve to to see the outside again. To be honest, no, he's but- he's he's, <laughs> he's done. He's done. Yeah, but as he should. I also believe he just got married. He did to somebody in it was it, yep it was a supporter that yes. met him while he was being held for trial and they got married. And I, I heard something like he wants to record an album in jail, like, but he doesn't understand this is the end of his career. You know, your fans are going to disperse and you're not going to gain any new fans. Right. No. So you're not going to sell any more album. No, shouldn't, you know, you're never going to tour again. Um, it's, it's a mess, but he did get married, engaged or did he get married? Did, I did think it- he got married, but the, I've always been kind of slightly fascinated and horrified by the fandom around men in prison. Yeah. There are fan, there Manson. are phantoms. Yeah. Oh Scott God. Peterson. Yeah. They have fans. Like a cult, it's, like cult, like people. So they have, they have, like, line up with the signs like, Oh, I wish he killed me or like yeah. something like that. And it's like, are and, you and like, send them, right now? but, and send them mail and send them money and call them and have phone sex with them. Just all of the things. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, it's a, I, the prison cult, the celebrity prison culture is like, it's, we need a whole Netflix documentary <laughs> on it. I mean, the fandom around, around celebrities in prison is a whole strange thing. And I think there's a lot of people who are like, I'm going to be there for them. It's like, yeah. uh, please don't. It's a, please yeah. don't. it's a phenomena. It's it, a phenomena. It's, really it's phenomenon. yeah. Yeah. It's the craziest thing about the R. Kelly situation though, is that these allegations have been around for decades, years, literally years, decades. Years. Why does it take so long? Like we've seen, even with like Jeffrey Epstein, mm-hmm. R. Kelly, like the situations like that, where like the allegations have been along around for so long. Why does it take so long to actually get these people Nailed in the down. courtroom with the charges? Like, why does it take that long to do it? There's a lot to be said for how much money can protect you. And I think, well, especially when we're looking at Epstein and R. Kelly, you're looking at money and fame protecting people and making them almost impervious. Because if you're the prosecutor or you're the investigator, that's like, I'm investigating this and you get a shoulder tap from a boss. It's like, no, you're not. Um, then Mm. those things can kind of die for a while. It takes time and energy and courage really to start going upstream against uh, individuals like this, and they can use money to try to shut it down. The first Epstein case in Florida got shut down real quickly with uh, money judgments with the victims. It's like, okay, we're done now. And so money, unfortunately, does go a very long way in the US, not just in our political system, but also in our, our system of justice. And that is horrific, but it also is reality. So it can take time for these things to come up. And, you know, it. <sighs> It's, it's unfortunate. It really is unfortunate to see, but there's also fear with victims and victims yeah. can get paid off to not speak up. And if you don't have victims, it's very hard to prosecute a case. This year, we've also had a lot of celeb controversies that are expected to end up in a courtroom. Uh, we've got the slap heard around the world, Will Smith smacking Chris Rock in the face for making fun of his wife at the Oscars. A lot of the internet thought that Chris had a strong case against Will for the assault. I mean, there was literally- a, it It's, was a, live it's an assault is on video. Like, yeah. You couldn't have strong what, evidence. What do you think about that? Do you yeah. think it's going to go to court? Do you think it's going to happen? What does it look like once it gets there? Does he have a case? I don't think it's going to go to court. I truly don't. Um, could it? Absolutely. Is is Chris Rock inclined to civilly sue someone for a one slap assault that played out on TV? And what would the damages be? I don't know. Probably less than what you would spend on lawyers to sue for it. The LAPD gave a statement saying that they responded and Chris Rock declined to press charges on a misdemeanor assault like that. Could in theory, the LAPD have arrested Will Smith and be like, well, we saw it on TV in theory, but to what end it would essentially be a misdemeanor with an uncooperative victim. And it would cause a lot of problems for the LAPD. So I think they didn't want to touch that. And when Chris Rock is like, I don't want to press charges. The LAPD is like, great, we're done here. (laughs) Goodbye. We don't want any part of this either. So could it? Yes. Um, Would it be kind of minimal or de minimis? Yes. It's a misdemeanor that you could end up on probation for. Don't slap anybody again. Are we worried that Will Smith is running around hitting people? Not really. And then Chris Rock, on a civil suit, what do you get? And you know, you're not going to get emotional damages for it. And you're not canceling shows because of it. You're not, unless you're injured and it doesn't seem that he was though, 
you could be from a one hit um, be injured, but it doesn't seem that's yeah. the case. And, and you know, it, it just gets messier when you move to situations that are, are more along the lines of like Alec Baldwin on the Rust movie set. Or, yeah, that's a whole different situation. I mean, do you think there's been some sort of a payout? Because he, you know, it was an accidental misfiring of a prop gun. It killed a cinematographer, but it's been really quiet. Like all of a sudden it went away. So I'm thinking her family has, must have gotten a settlement. I don't think it's gone away. I really? think it's probably in conversation, but there are multiple lawsuits pending. And mm. the FBI was doing ballistics on the gun. I still don't. I've not seen anything where the Santa Fe DA have said they're charging or not charging someone. So this investigation is still very much open. I don't think we're done with Russ. There are so many tangential lawsuits that even if the wrongful death suit between Baldwin settles, there's other parties in that wrongful death suit, all the production companies and what yeah. have you. This is going to be going on for a while, but we haven't gotten to the answers of these cases yet, and we should start getting to them soon. And then they'll go into discovery, and it will be quiet for a while because they're all going to be doing discovery back and forth, and we won't see a ton of information about it. But I don't think these are done. It's like the Astro World suits. Oh, they're not yeah. done. Um, they're just, they're just plodding along it takes a long these things generally go pretty slow and when you look at the amber heard case with johnny depp that was at the end there's always a ton of litigation and a ton of information at the end but things drag on at the beginning when the attorneys are doing other things including discovery including conversations behind the scenes those don't all play out in court yeah so that case is very much still open okay good to know good to know good to know and we got to talk about Hallelujah, Britney is free. We got to talk about the Free Britney movement and everything was going on with that. A judge finally ended Britney Spears' corrupt conservatorship after 13 years. Her attorney is currently fighting to get her father to sit down for a deposition and turn over financial documents. Do yeah. you see a lawsuit or jail time coming his way? Yeah. Yesterday, the judge said that he is required to sit for a deposition. Britney's not required to sit for a deposition. Ooh. The litigation here is nowhere near done um, it's hard to say what's to come next. Britney's attorney, Matthew Rosengart, like I stand he's a really shark. hard. I stand yeah. really hard, but he's a former federal prosecutor. So if he sees something that could be criminal, will he shoulder tap someone to look at that? Absolutely. Should he so. do that? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're not done with this. And I think Britney has the support around her to say money doesn't matter to me make it happen. She said in court, they should all be in jail. And we know that's in her mind. So yeah, where this goes is, is going to be interesting, but we are nowhere near done the depositions and the discovery and oh. the bugging the bedroom. That's all just, Oh my God. Bedroom. I think in yep. Brittany's case, the abuse is going to be much harder to prove like the, the physical and mental emotional, you know, having to give gallons of blood for hours a day in a mental hospital. I think the financial end of it is going to be much easier to prove um, you know, with who is profiting off of the conservatorship, who is looking after her money. It's, I think that's, I think if I was her attorney, that's where I would hit first, because I feel like there's going to be more evidence of that than with the, the other, the other spectrum of it. Absolutely. And then you get to the, what security was doing if they were bugging her bedroom, those things are all clearly illegal. So there is an easier paper trail there and to save Brittany the money, And uh, again, when it comes to prosecutions, to make sure that what you're bringing is the strongest case, following the paper trail is always going to be easier. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Wow. Well, thank you so much for helping us (laughs) recap all of this year's craziest celebrity legal tea. Like this has been so I mean, we're halfway through the year. We're going to have to check back in because there's so much more. You know what what we're going to do? We need to have you on like in January and we'll do like an end of year. Like what did we miss? Absolutely. Let's do it. Absolutely. I'd be happy to. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Well, do you have any advice for, you know, people like me that are looking into a career in law or maybe people that are looking to create content like you, what would be the message that you would like to, to send off to our listeners? Don't be afraid to create something that you don't see existing yet. It's if you're interested in something like, you know, social media and law, there is going to be tons of need for people that are social media savvy in the law not just as lawyers, but also as consultants, also as people working in law firms alongside lawyers. If you are interested in something, keep pursuing it and make it happen. Don't just think you have to duplicate what somebody else is doing because the world is broad and vast and you can create whatever it is you want. Um, The law field is ready for 
younger attorneys that are more technologically savvy that have a mind towards public relations that understand the digital age. And I think that's a very good thing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for hopping on today. I think that thank we covered you. everything. I don't think yeah. there's anything we left out. I don't um, think so. We mentioned it all. We mentioned <laughs> it all. So thank you for joining us. And uh, if our listeners would like to check you out, you have an amazing podcast called The Emily Show. They can follow you on Instagram and YouTube. You do amazing live streams covering thank everything. Um, so thank you for, for joining us today. And we'll hope to see you soon. Hopefully these celebrities get in more trouble. We'll have more to talk about. Absolutely. You guys can find me everywhere at the Emily D Baker. Thank you for having me. It was such a pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. That was an incredibly informative episode. That was I awesome. Like we learned a lot. That was awesome. Um, it was great. We had a great time. Thank you, Emily, for coming on and giving yes. us all your legal insight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you'd like to see more of us personally on the uh, more of our content, you can personally, find us on you can find us on OnlyFans. No. <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on YouTube at the Rumor Mill. You can find us on Instagram at the Rumor Mill Pod. You can find us on Twitter at TRM Updates, and you can find us on TikTok at the Rumor Mill. Hopefully, we're going to get into Emily's algorithm. Hopefully. I'm hoping to get in her algorithm. Yes. No, no but thank you guys for listening. Um, of course, you can listen to us every week. We drop new episodes every Friday. Uh, you can watch us on Spotify or YouTube if you're more of a video podcast kind of kind of guy, kind of guy, kind of girl, kind of kind of dude. Um, and we will see you next week. See you next week. <laughs>